Using technology to accelerate clinical trials. That's our textination. I'm Fred Fishkin, and joining us is Scott Widely, CEO of ClinCapture, C-L-I-N-C-A-P-T-U-R-E. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Hey, thanks for having me, Fred. I appreciate it. Well, give us the overview to start with of what ClinCapture is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll start with just a brief overview of the clinical trials process, and then we can talk about where ClinCapture fits in. Uh, so clinical trials, of course, are those uh, tests that are done on humans to uh, understand if a new product, usually a drug, sometimes a medical device, can be brought for use to the general public. And they're generally approved by some sort of regulatory body, such as the FDA, in the US. And uh, these trials are divided into a number of phases. You'll hear phase one through phase four. There actually aren't any bright lines. It's really a continuum between the phases. Uh, and then there are different uh, players in the clinical trial ecosystem. We have uh, the pharma companies or medical device companies. Uh, sometimes they'll contract out to something called a CRO, a contract research organization or a consultant. Uh, the research is done at what's called a site uh, by the doctors and the healthcare practitioners. And then ultimately um, we have the, uh, the patients. And so where ClinCapture fits in that mix is we provide something called electronic data capture software to the pharma companies or the CROs. And that is essentially the repository for their clinical trials data. It's both a backend database as well as a front-end application that manages the clinical trials process. And what are the advantages to, to using the software? So the advantages in general to using EDC software uh, are that you are able to manage your workflows electronically. You're able to store your data electronically, even before you submit it. Uh, nowadays, if you use paper trials, uh, you still often will convert to electronic data before submission. Uh, and uh, you're able to essentially use that program as eSource. So eSource is a term that was created by the FDA. It means that the source record is the electronic record rather than the paper record. So there's no paper involved. So the goal is to move everything from paper trials to eSource. And EDC, in a way, was an intermediary. Originally, it was intended to be eSource, but what happened was folks would still initially write the data on paper and the paper became the official record, but then that was entered into an electronic data capture system uh, for the electronic record. The goal is to uh, manage everything electronically. And then that brings us to the next step, um, which really makes clean capture different is our focus on remote and decentralized trials. Uh, those trials that aren't necessarily happening at a site or at least not wholly at a site and can be happening all over the US or even all over the world. Well, uh, we're in the midst obviously of, of this pandemic. Uh, people have heard more about it, trials over the last two years than they'd heard, I don't know, in how many uh, years before that. So tell us the importance of this, what it means to everyday people. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I like to talk about something called equity in clinical trials. And so historically, uh, as I mentioned, there are those phases. Uh, and, and very simply put, the earlier phases, let's say phase one trial, 
those are trials that take place on healthy subjects. And so nowadays, the, the most common term for uh, clinical trial participants is simply participant, whether you're a subject or whether you're a patient. But the reason there was originally a different nomenclature is in early trials, we talked about clinical trial subjects because these folks weren't actually being treated. They didn't have a condition that was being treated. Uh, we were simply testing for safety rather than efficacy. Uh, and in the later trials, phase uh, three trial, for instance, you were testing for efficacy on those groups that actually had the condition. So we called those folks patients. Again, nowadays we generally call everyone a participant, but there is a fundamental difference here, as you can imagine. The folks in the early trials, uh, the healthy subjects, those are simply being tested for adverse events or what we commonly call side effects. And the folks in the later trials are actually being treated, they're, they're patients. And this is where historically there's been such a lack of equity. If you drive by poorer neighborhoods, uh, you'll see many uh, CPUs or pharmacolo pharmacological uh, 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 units. Uh, and essentially uh, uh, these are where the uh, phase one trials take place. And sometimes you have paid subjects uh, who are being tested, but you'll often see the, um, the phase three trials happening at hospitals, maybe in wealthier areas. So you have that access to the early stage trials, uh, which are simply testing for safety on the poorer populations, but the poorer populations don't have access to actually be treated as a patient. And so that changes with remote uh, trials because now uh, you don't necessarily need to have access to those very specialized hospitals. You essentially can uh, uh, participate remotely in the trials. And that's something ClinCapture has been working on for a long time. So are we talking about speeding up the process of, of gaining approvals? What, what does all this mean to be able to do this? Absolutely. So EDC in general speeds up the process, uh, both from a study start uh, to a, a study completion. Uh, but ClinCapture in particular, in addition to speeding up the process, gives that accessibility to all sorts of populations. Interesting. So tell us what some of the things that you're doing. I understand that you've offered free electronic data capture for COVID-19 research. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when the pandemic began, we actually offered uh, free access to our software uh, for those folks who were researching COVID-19. And we have to think there are many use cases even beyond um, vaccinations and treatments. There were many studies, again, being done on different populations, how, what populations were more prone to uh, 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 you know, getting treatment, what populations had more access to treatment and what populations were actually um, having more prevalence of uh, COVID-19. And so there are all sorts of studies um, uh, even beyond the ones we think of uh, in terms of the vaccinations uh, that are not being done and, and were being done at the height of the pandemic, uh, although the height of the pandemic uh, essentially continues. Absolutely, a frightening situation even, even now as we speak. So tell us, uh, how this came about, Scott, your background and, and the development of this, uh, this uh, company. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I've been working in the in the biosciences space for uh, for all of my career. Uh, actually, um, began uh, as a uh, as a pre med student uh, many years ago, uh, and uh, have worked in a number of uh, of related industries. Uh, most recently at Clean Capture, um, the focus when I joined was um, was on EDC and on uh, professional services. That is those CRO type services that are provided to the pharma companies. And one thing that I was very passionate about was really focusing on remote and decentralized trials even before the pandemic. And so as we know, the pandemic has accelerated adoption of many technologies that were already available. So Zoom, uh, which we're using right now, Zoom and prior to that WebEx and all of the sorts of, of remote uh, video conferencing were available pre-pandemic, but they just didn't have the adoption uh, that we now have. And that's true for EDC software as well. Uh, EDC was available prior to the pandemic, but it wasn't being adopted for remote trials uh, until the pandemic uh, hit. And now remote trials uh, are becoming something that is much more common. Uh, but this is something I felt strongly about even prior to the pandemic, again, because I've had this concern about equity in healthcare and more specifically in clinical trials uh, for, uh, for my entire career. It's very interesting and important, obviously. So tell us about some of the partners you've worked with or whatever you can. I know there's privacy involved, but uh, tell us about how your technology is being used today. Yeah, absolutely. So we work with a full spectrum of different types of companies. So rather than name some of the companies that you suggested, because it is a, an industry that has a lot of um, has a lot of uh, regulation and as well as uh, a lot of uh, desire for folks to maintain proprietary information, we talk about the types of customers and the types of things uh, that they're working on. Uh, and so we uh, essentially provide our service to pharma companies, both small and large. Uh, we have large Fortune 500 pharma companies. We have small startups uh, from the San Francisco Bay Area and beyond. And they essentially are working on everything uh, from new medications, uh, new drugs, uh, to new molecules in the sense, and in the uh, case of biotech, uh, all the way uh, to medical devices um, that can be things such as um, we might think of a, of a spinal device, we might think of a heart stint, um, uh, or we may think of diagnostic devices, uh, those devices that allow folks to uh, perform tests. And that's critical too, as we, as we I, I think uh, the, the, the world now knows with the, the scandal over Theranos, it's important for our uh, diagnostic devices uh, to undergo clinical trials, as well as our medications and treatments. And you're launching a podcast, I understand, in the new year. Absolutely. You may see the background there, Trials, Trials with a Z. Uh, so we are launching that in 2022. Uh, perhaps we can, we can reverse roles and I'll have you on the show if you're, uh, if you're willing. But uh, we're very excited about that podcast. Where, where will people be able to find it? Uh, you'll be able to find that on uh, cleancapture.com. There's a podcast link, and we are working on getting the new site up, which is trials.com. That's trials with a Z. Again, it's uh, cleancapture, C-L-I-N-C-A-P-T-U-R-E.com. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Thanks, Fred. It was great. I really appreciate it. your time, and I thank you for allowing me to appear on your show. Now this. 
It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio. And that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers. And that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC Skywave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.